Please take your Bibles and turn with me this evening to the book of Psalms, and I would direct your attention to Psalm 84 and the last two verses. Our text is Psalm 84, verses 11 and 12. Psalm 84, which is entitled to the chief musician upon Gittith, a psalm for the sons of Korah. Verses 11 and 12, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is that man that trusteth in thee. In God's providence, tomorrow, December 21st, is the shortest, that is to say, the darkest day of the year. It is the day with the least sunlight here in South Carolina. We call winter solstice. And that may seem incidental to us. Indeed, it is. But it proves, uh, serves as a good springboard, directing uh, our thoughts to a higher and far more important plane. This world is a spiritually dark place. This world is a spiritually dark place. At the fall of man in the garden with Adam, the lights went out. Sin itself is darkness. Sinners dwell in darkness. They do the deeds of darkness. The devil himself is described as the prince of darkness. Hell is described as a place of outer darkness. At the pinnacle of the sin bearer's atoning sacrifice, the world was cloaked in darkness. God put the sun out, as it were. And we think about darkness. Darkness brings gloom, doesn't it? We feel it sometimes at this time of year. It brings heaviness. Uh, it, It brings with it fear. It brings unfruitfulness. But into this dark abyss, our text declares, the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord God is a sun. Now, children, the order in which we put words in a sentence in the English language are of of great significance. So the order that we use in the the word, the way that we align the words in a sentence is of of very great significance. So you think, for example, uh, the boy uh, sat on a horse, right? We all understand what that means. But if we reversed the words and said that the horse sat on the boy, it would mean something very different, wouldn't it? And so you you look at the text in front of us. You know, children, unbelieving pagans, they say the sun is a god. And this is blasphemous. This is a wicked abomination for the creature uh, to, for one creature to be worshiping part of creation instead of the creator. This is a wicked, wicked thing. 
But they say the Son is a God. Look at our text. The Lord God is a Son. Very, very, very different way of, of, of speaking, isn't it? The Lord God is a Son. In other words, the Son is a picture. It is a picture that conveys something to us about who God is. God is, God is accommodating us as creatures. He's coming to us. He's speaking to us in language that is familiar, language that we easily understand. So last Lord's Day morning, you know, we heard about Christ being away. We heard about him being the door. And we understand what that means. Not, not a piece of a plank of wood on hinges, but it's describing how Christ is the one through whom we have entrance into the heavens, into, into the presence of, of God himself. That's what it's doing. And so when it says the Lord God is a son, it's giving us a picture. So here's the question for you. What does the son do? What does the son do? In a word, it shines. The sun shines. And in its shining, of course, we think of light. It gives light to us. We think of heat. It warms us uh, when the weather is, is cold. Right? We think of the fact that there are nutrients that we derive from sunlight and things, things like that. But in the first instance, it shines. In its shining, it conveys all sorts of other benefit and blessings. But it chiefly shines. And so here in Psalm 84, for the Lord God is a sun and a shield. It's conveying the fact that God shines upon his people. The Lord shines upon his people. And so with the Lord's help this evening, we're going to seek to meditate on what this may entail in considering verses 11 and 12. First of all, we begin with the fact that God shines on his people. So first of all, God shines on his people. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. You'll notice the connection with verse 9. Behold, O God, our shield, and look upon the face of thine anointed. And so God's, God's face, that is his countenance, looks upon, or we could say shines upon, the believer's face, right? You think of how we sing about this so often in the Psalms. So all the way back at the beginning in Psalm 4, verse 6, uh, there be, uh, it says, Lord, and there be many that say, who will show us any good? Lord, lift thou up the light of thy countenance or face upon us, right? This is familiar language to us. This is describing the source of the believer's joy. This is a source of joy. It's true with regards to the, the physical sun, right? The, the sun that we have over, over the earth. So in Ecclesiastes verse, uh, chapter 11, verse 7, it says, Truly, the light is sweet, and a pleasant thing it is for the eyes to behold the sun. You know this experience. You walk out, and you lift up your face toward the sky. And the sun beats down upon you. And there's something very pleasant, as the Bible says, with, with regards to that. But here we're speaking about God himself. That God shines his countenance. We lift up our faces as the Lord shines his countenance upon us. Why? Because as 1 John says, God is light. And in him 
is no darkness at all. There's no dark spots. There's no, there's no shadow or shade, as it were, that comes from his, his face. But rather, the Lord shines like the light upon us. You think of how the Bible connects some of these things. So we have in the opening uh, pages uh, of Scripture, the opening verses of Scripture, we read in Genesis 1-3 uh, that God said, right? God declared, God commanded that there be light. And there was light. But then Paul picks up on this, doesn't he, in 2 Corinthians 4. And he says in verse 4, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Verse 6, For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You take that and go back to the Old Testament with it, to places like Isaiah 60, the opening, which you'll know well, of, of Isaiah 60, where it says, Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people, but the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. Right? The Lord shines on his people. We, we can't get away from this because we sit habitually, weekly, you know, three times a week on many occasions under the pronouncement of the divine benediction. And we have the one in the New Testament that's used, but the one drawn from the days of Aaron, you know well. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious to thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and grant thee peace. Right? The Lord shining his countenance. This is something that comes because he is, God is a son, as it were, who shines upon his people. We lift up our faces to his light to the light of who he is. We come not only to beg and get and grovel and take away a blessing here or there, but we actually come to meet with the God of glory himself. And the God of glory in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ lifts up the light of his countenance and refreshes and revives and invigorates and strengthens and cheers the hearts of his people, and we come and we open up our hearts, we open up the contents of our minds and of our souls to the searching light of his all-seeing gaze. And we don't do so as those who are, you know, those who are, I mean, the believer doesn't do so as those who, who would rather cover it all up, bury it, hide it, forget it, do everything you can to keep it, which is impossible from the sight of God. No, the believer comes and says, here I am. Here is all that I am. May the Lord's light shine into me and upon me. But here in Psalm 84, it says, you know, God is, the Lord God is a sun and a, sh a shield. And I've, I've made the point that it is highlighting the fact that he shines like the sun. Notice how he shines. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace 
and glory. The sun gives light, it gives heat, it gives nutrients, all those things that we described before, and probably other things we don't even perhaps know about. When the Lord shines upon us, what do we get? What does he give? He shines grace and glory. He gives grace and glory when he shines upon his people. Notice that this is a promise for those of you attentive you have an eye for these things, right? You're, you're hungry for them. You're looking for them. You're, you're, you're grabbing a hold of them whenever and wherever you can. And here's one. The Lord sticks, not just in your pocket, but into your heart and into your mind. The passage tells us that the Lord God, that the Lord will give. The Lord will do it. The Lord will absolutely, 100%, he will give grace and glory. It is appropriate for, for us to come to him. And as it were, with reverence and humility, to demand it of him. To ask of it. To ask him in keeping with his own word. To give us. To shine upon us. And to give, to deliver the, the grace and glory that he has, has promised to us. He is a giving God, right? The sun just keeps giving and giving and giving and giving and giving. We never send anything up to the sun. We never pour fuel into the back of the sun like we do with our automobiles, right? We, we never contribute anything. The sun is there. God has stuck it in the heavens. It's there. And, and it continues to just give free of charge. We pay nothing for it. We only receive from it. This is our Lord. Our Lord is bountiful. He is opulent. He is generous. He is one who delights to give. And to give and give and give infinitely out of his own resources. This is how we should think of him. When we're coming to him and saying, Oh Lord, lift up the light of thy countenance upon us. Oh Lord, shine upon us. Oh Lord, give the grace and glory that has been promised to us, we do so with a consciousness that he stands ready and willing to do. That he is the one who delights to do it. What does it mean for him to give us grace and glory? And there's a lot of things this means. But there is one thing that is absolutely essential for everyone to understand that it means. To give his people Grace and glory is to give them Christ. To give them Christ. What is grace and glory? Grace and glory is first and foremost the Lord Jesus Christ himself. His very person. You know, sometimes I think people think of grace as some sort of commodity like oil or you know, some substance, if you will, but not so, right? It's, it's really more and more of Christ that we're being given. Think of how this comes out. I can prove it to you. John chapter 1, verse 14, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory, as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 16, and of his fullness have all we received and grace for grace. 
It's out of the fullness of the Lord Jesus Christ that both the grace and the glory flow, shine, come to us. It's in him. It's in coming to him. No wonder he stood as the incarnate word upon the surface of this planet and said, I am the light of the world. No wonder. Because indeed he is the light of the world in every sense and in every way. So God shines upon his, uh, upon his people. What does that mean? It means that we can bring to him all of our darkness. We can bring all of our darkness to him who is the light. I said at the beginning, sin is darkness. My friend, do you have any of that? Do you have any of that with you that you've, you've brought with you this evening? Sin. The sins of this day, the sins of this past week, the sins of the last months, the sins of this very hour, the sins you've committed sitting under the ministry of the word this evening. All those sins, those sins that trouble us, that disquiet us, those sins that cast us down, the sins which derail us from all that for the believer we truly long for and desire and delight in, all of the inconsistencies, all of the omissions that are left undone that should have been done, all of the twisted perversions that we've used to excuse this thing and that thing and the other thing, all of these sins, the Lord says he shines upon his people. We bring to him the darkness of our grace and he says, where your sin is abounded, my grace abounds much more. The Lord God will give grace and give glory. We bring to him all of the darkness of our sorrows. The ones known and unknown. You know, the big ones. The big ones and the little ones, right? There's, there's darkness and there's shadows and so on. People die, you lose your job. There's tr trials and afflictions that the Lord's people face. It casts shade. Not just in our path, but over our souls. And the Lord says, bring, bring it, bring it to the one who is a son. And he will give grace and glory. You think of all of our weaknesses, right? Our weaknesses are also darkness. I mean, we, we sense them, we feel them, we wrestle, we grapple with them. We have to deal with them. All of the, the weaknesses that we have in our soul, the faculties of our soul, a weak will, a weak mind, weak heart, weak affections, our conscience is weak. We've, we sense the weakness of our gifts. We sense the weaknesses of our graces. We sense the weakness of our bodies and our limitations and inabilities and so on and so forth. And the Lord says, bring that to the Son. 
and he will shine, and he will give grace and glory. We have all of our uncertainties, all the uncertainties that we have about ourselves, uncertainties we have about our circumstances, uncertainties we have about the future, uncertainties we have about other people. There's all these uncertainties, and it, it's darkness, right? We're in the dark, in uncertainty. And the Lord says, he is a son. He will give both grace and glory. We sense our folly, our need for wisdom. We need direction. We need help. We need guidance. We're in the dark in that sense as well. The Lord is a son, and he says, I will give grace. I will give glory. I will provide wisdom to everyone who asks, to everyone who lacks it. I'm not going to upbraid you, James 1. I'm not going to make fun of you. I'm not going to break you down. I will give it liberally to those who, who lack it. The Lord gives grace and glory, both grace and glory. So there's glory as well. He is actually, we know, of course, that in the, in the, in the, the string of pearls that, are, that the, the gospel brings by way of redemption, that it, it ends on this high point of glorification, right? When ultimately we, we are glorified uh, by God after the fashioning of the Lord Jesus Christ in body and soul, our entire person eradicates all sin, gives us resurrected bodies, perfected souls, and all sorts of faculties we could have never dreamed of, etc. But my friends, the Lord is giving us glory here as well. I'm not, I'm not conflating now. I'm distinguishing glorification on the last day from what takes place in this world. But beholding the glory of the Lord does result in the, in the, does result in us being transformed into the likeness of his glory. So that the believer begins more and more by the ministry of the Holy Spirit to shine, to, to, to actually be glory bearers, the glory of Christ himself. So that there is glory given to us even in this, in this world. And of course, we revel in his glory, but it's right there that we discover or perhaps are unconscious even of the fact that we're beginning to have a share in that glory by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We must live under the light of his shining countenance. He, the Lord God, is a son. We must live under the light of his shining countenance. Isaiah 2, verse 5, O house of Jacob, come ye and let us walk in the light of the Lord. Let us walk in the light of the Lord. For those of you who are unconverted, my unconverted friends, where do you find yourself? You're children of darkness, dwelling in inky darkness, on the road to outer darkness. And here is the light of the gospel in the person of Jesus Christ shining upon you. John 8, verse 12, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. What is, what is Jesus saying? He's saying to you this evening, come, see it, see who the Lord Jesus Christ is. Come to the light, receive of his light, 
Walk in his light. Run to the light. But some of you won't. They're barriers. What are they? What's going on in your head? What's going on in your heart under the ministry of the word of God? Here is Christ who is the light of the world and you're being given the light set before you. You're in darkness. What is happening to you? Well, John 3 tells us in verse 19, and this is the condemnation that light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. Do you see what's happening? What's happening is this. You love darkness because you want to keep sin. Coming to the light with your darkness exposes that sin, that your deeds are evil, that your self-righteousness, thinking that you're a good churchgoer, that you read your Bible, that you, that you are in a Christian community, that all of these things suffice and you can live for yourself and live for the world. And you want to hold on to that. You want to keep that. You want to nurse that. You want to protect that. And for that reason, you won't come to the light. You don't want those deeds exposed as evil, not to mention all of the other things in your life to find out that you are rotten to the core, that the bad news is way worse than you ever thought, that your need is far greater than you ever thought, that you have to come to the bottom under the conviction of sin and own your absolute bankruptcy. And that is stooping too far for you. The Lord says, this is the problem for some of you. This is the problem. And yet the Lord still, despite your belligerence and despite your blindness and despite your foolishness, hasn't ceased setting Christ before you. Hasn't ceased calling you to come to the light, to come to Christ. In John 12, a little bit later, he says in verse 35, Then Jesus said unto them, Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while ye have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. While ye have the light, believe in the light, that ye may be the children of light. Right? These are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's calling us to come by faith, to lay hold of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the light that comes from him in the gospel is even more free than the light you receive from the sun. Freely offered in the abundance of the Lord's mercies, all who come, he is willing and able to receive. Secondly, so God shines on his people. Secondly, God shines for his people. God shines for his people. What do I mean by that? If you go back to Psalm 84, the text continues. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Not only will he give grace and glory, he will withhold nothing good at all 
from those who walk uprightly. What do we read in, in Malachi 4? We read of the Lord Jesus Christ as the son of righteousness who rises with healing in his wings. The son of righteousness who rises with healing, healing, healing in his wings. He comes to bring good. He comes to bring good to ne poor, needy sinners. You say, well, what is good? What does it mean when he says, no good thing will he withhold? Well, what, what are those good things? Well, it is chiefly God himself and all that comes from his hand. God himself and all that comes from Christ and all that comes from him, all that comes with him. He who did not spare his own, own son, how will he not with him also freely give us all things? Out of his fullness have we received grace for grace. The good is defined by who the Lord himself is. He gives us himself and then gives everything that comes from his hand as, as good. That means that he protects. He protects his people from what is not good. If he's not going to withhold anything good, that means he's going to protect us from what is not good. And here, I think we begin to see how sun and shield actually come together. He, the Lord God, is a sun and shield, right? There's actually a relationship between these, these two things. Because the sun does shield, in a sense. It does provide protection. I mean, darkness is a very dangerous place. You think, for example, in Exodus 10, there you had the plague of darkness that God sent miraculously in order to punish the Egyptians. And yet in verse 23, we read, but all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. But all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. The Lord was protecting Goshen. He was protecting them from the plague of darkness. And the light continued to shine Upon, upon them. You think of the same thing as they come out of Exodus and into the wilderness. There's the pillar of fire, which stood as a barrier to shield them from the Egyptians initially in order to get them, in order to get at them. And then as they went through the wilderness, we sing in Psalm 105, verse 39, that that, that pillar of fire was to give light in the night, to protect them in, in the night watches. It was like shield it was like a shield for them. The Lord protects us from all that is not good. Zechariah 2 verse 5. For I, saith the Lord, will be unto her a wall of fire round about and will be the glory in the midst of her. Right? A wall of fire is a shield and it's light. He's saying both of these things are brought together later on in the same book, chapter 14, verse 7. But it shall be one day which shall be known to the Lord, not day nor night, but it shall come to pass that at evening time it shall be light. Here is the Lord. He's saying he will protect us from what's not good. Everything that's not good. Everything that is bad. Everything that is evil. The believer is completely protected from. You have another picture of this in Joshua, where we read those remarkable words, and the sun stood, sun stood still. The Lord kept the sun in place in order that 
they might finish the battle. He was protecting them, delivering them in their, in their battles. And so the Lord protects us from what, what, is not, what's, what is not good. You have an objection in your mind here. I'll come back to it in just a second. He also provides all that is good. Right? He will withhold no good thing. He's not going to withhold it. That means he's going to give it. He's going to provide every good thing for his people. In Psalm 85, the next Psalm, verse 12, Yea, the Lord shall give that which is good, and our land shall yield increase. Or you go back to Psalm 34, which we sing there in verses 9 and 10. Oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want, no lack to them that fear him. They that seek the Lord shall not want, shall not lack any good thing whatsoever. Why? Because in Christ, right, we have every spiritual blessing is ours. In Christ, in heavenly places, it's all ours. He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing possible. He's blessed us with everything temporal that we could possibly need. He will not withhold anything. Philippians 4 verse 19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory, in glory by Christ Jesus. So your objection is this. What about the hard stuff? We get it. We have food, we have clothes, we have a job, we have family, we have church, we have all the spiritual privileges, we get all the things that are, you know, for our souls and so on and so forth. But what about the hard stuff? What we would call bad stuff. Evil things happen to us. What about that? Evil things happening to us. My friends, God's promise is true that he, no good thing will he withhold from them walk uprightly. You're thinking to yourself, to not, to not have an evil thing happen to me would be a good that has been withheld. Right? That's the logic in terms of, of how we tend to, to object. But you're wrong. We're all wrong when we think along those lines. And we think along those lines way more frequently than we would want anybody to know. We think that the Lord has withheld a good in allowing evil things to transpire. But it's not true. Because the Lord is wiser than us. And the Lord is more good than us, and the Lord is more powerful than us, and the Lord is more all-knowing than us, and the Lord is sovereign, and all of the other things. And so what do we know? Nothing. What do we see? Almost nothing. He knows it all. He sees it all. He sovereignly designs it all. And it is good. Top to bottom, beginning to end. You can distinguish your external circumstances from your internal response to them. The two are very different. Your external circumstances and your internal responses. You tend to think to yourself that your internal response is inextricably connected to your external circumstances. 
you tend to think, I, I feel this way, I'm reacting this way, I'm experiencing what I'm experiencing because of X, because of the circumstances. I am experiencing sadness, loss, disappointment, anger, you know, greed, whatever it is, because of the circumstances. It's not true. And so the Lord can create external circumstances and your internal response be full of grace and glory. Your internal response be appropriate to all that the Lord is. And when God gives you external circumstances and enables you by his grace to respond in a godly mood, he is giving you a good. He is, he is not withheld a remarkable, priceless good from you in those things. He can also bring good and not withhold good by changing the external circumstances. Sometimes he relieves burdens and turns back trials and does all sorts of other things. And that's a good as well. But when he doesn't, it's because he has another good to give us. He's using the very things that we object to in order to accomplish what is the very best. So if you think, if you're thinking clearly about it now, everything God does to the believer, everything God does with the believer is the very best thing that could happen. Because if there was anything better, he would be withholding a good from you. The very best. That takes faith to receive it and to believe it, but it's true. It's true. We could go on, we're running out of time, but his, under this point, God shines for his people in his word. So you think in thy light, we see light. And his light, his, his word is a light to our feet, a lamp to our path. It, it, you know, it's, that word goes into us, right? So, so it actually fuels the light that is within us so that we're walking in the light. Walking in the light means not entertaining all of the ideas we hear about in the world, not drinking the Kool-Aid, not adopting their mindset, not thinking like them, not agreeing with them, right? It means walking in the light means not entertaining sin, not entertaining doubt, not entertaining all sorts of other things. You know, how often have you said to yourself, well, I don't know what to think. I don't know what to think. You know, I don't, I don't know how to think about this. You say that periodically. But you know what? It's always true. You never actually know what to think or how to think. That's why he's giving you a book. This is your light so that you know how to think in all the circumstances and situations and all answers to all the questions that, that, that arise and so on. But we have to hasten on. Thirdly, God shines through his people. God is a sun and a shield. He shines through his people. Look again at verse, the text, verse 12. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trusteth in thee. Blessed is the man that trusteth in thee. God shines through his people. When a man or a woman or a boy or a girl is soundly and savingly converted, here's what happens. Ephesians 5, verse 8. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. 
walk as children of the light. Blessed is the one who trusteth, right? This is faith, who is walking by faith, who has saving faith, transformed from being darkness to being light. Not just, not just walking in darkness, but actually being darkness. If the light that is within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Your darkness itself. And then you're made light in the Lord and thereby enabled to walk in the light of the Lord. So the Lord can say in the Sermon on the Mount, ye are the light of the world. You know, don't hide your light under a bushel and so on. Because the people of God are actually shining as, as light. And this is a tremendous blessing to the world at large and a great comfort to us as well in a very wicked world. Because as Paul says to the Philippians in chapter 2, verse 15, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Thanks be unto God that he's left the gospel torch lit. That in his irresistible and sovereign grace, sinners are still coming, being drawn into the light of his truth, and that they are light bearers in the world. Angels are described as shining lights. Ministers are described as stars that shine in the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ. The believer, however young, is described as light. And the believer shines as light in, in this world. I mean, you have that remarkable description given in the end of the prophecy of Daniel in chapter 12, verse 3. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. And they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. So in this world, we shine as lights. But the believer will continue to do so and more in the world to come. Remember the language of Jesus in Matthew 13. He's speaking about the parables of the kingdoms and so on, that chapter. In Matthew 13, he says, verse 43, then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. Well, now we've come full circle, haven't we? We began with the Lord God is a son. And now we're peering into the eternity to come. And we discover that the believer is described as shining forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. What glory is this? This requires the exercise of faith that that future is in part a present reality, as we saw in Daniel 12 that we shine as stars in the firmament now, and that we look with faith and with hope and with expectation and with longing and with absolute confidence to the fact that the believer will indeed shine as a star forever. Proverbs 4, verse 18, but the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. So you see the pieces. The Lord is a sun who shines on us. We're brought under his light. And then we 
by saving grace, become light. We put on light, as Scripture says elsewhere. And then the believer, him or herself, shines as light, right? Deflecting the light that, we, that is derived from who God himself is and what God himself gives to us. All of these pieces are, are brought together. And so the Lord tells us, for the Lord God is a son and a shield. You eventually wake up tomorrow to the shortest day in the year. The day with the most darkness in it. But we wake up in the morning as we do every morning with Jehovah God as a sun. The physical sun shines in a dark world. Without the sun, we would be left in darkness. The whole world would be in darkness. But think about this. In heaven, we're told two things. We're told there is no sun there. And we're also told there is no night or darkness there in heaven. Why? Because the glory of the Lamb is all the light. The glory of the Lamb himself is all of the light. And the believer, the believing people of God will rejoice for eternity. God is a son. Let me close with these words I read from the beginning of Isaiah 60. Later on in that chapter, verse 19, the sun shall be no more. Uh, the sun shall uh, be no more thy light by day. Neither for brightness shall the moon give light unto thee. But the Lord shall be unto thee an everlasting light. And thy God, thy glory. Thy sun shall be no more, uh, th thy sun shall no more go down, neither shall thy moon withdraw itself, for the Lord shall, shall be thine everlasting light. And the days of thy mourning shall be ended. Let's stand for prayer. Lord our God in heaven, our Lord God, who is a sun and a shield. We are thankful that Christ Jesus has been sent into this world as the light of the world. We are thankful that thy face does shine upon us, that thou art pleased to lift up the light of thy countenance upon us. O Lord, enable us to lift up our faces to have the light of thy countenance shine upon us. For we ask it in Jesus' name.